There's such an innate wisdom in these plants taken in the right set and setting mm -hmm. and, be, and being able to surrender to that wisdom. It's one of the rare times where you really see truth. What a gift. Welcome. I'm Alyssa Nobrega, your host of the Healing and Human Potential podcast, a place for you to discover the multidimensionality of what it means to be human. Over the past 20 years, I've trained thousands of coaches in my methodology, leveraging my experience as a former psychotherapist, and I'm here to share with you all the wisdom and insights that I've learned along the way. Each week, I'll share with you life-changing tools to support you in awakening and manifesting your dream life from the inside out. We'll be exploring the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, really diving deep into the art of human potential through the lens of psychology, spirituality, and coaching. Let's let the magic unfold. Today we have a very special guest, my dad, Ray Nobriga. And you may have heard me talk about that my dad's a shaman. And so I'm excited to share him with you and also about the work that he does in the world for the very first time. And so today specifically, we explore the topic of shamanism, what it is, the different types of plant medicine and psychedelics that are available to people, as well as the different intentions, benefits, and potential concerns for each type of medicine. I think the most important thing about this work is to have a trusted guide. So my intention in this episode is to help you feel more educated and empowered, really learning about alternative healing modalities. And that way you can choose to explore whichever one feels right if you do feel called. To give you a little bit of background about my dad, so he was a financial advisor who took a risk in starting his own company with two other partners in his 30s. It ended up doing very well, and he was feeling totally out of alignment in his life. And so he sold his company at 50 and retired. Because of the pain that he was going through, he did a complete 180 in his life. He started apprenticing with a shaman and has been doing that work for the last 27 years. What I love about his story is that he's very much in the world, but he's also committed to doing his work so that he lives a really authentic life and honors a deeper calling. And he's been such a guide and a mentor for me. And you're going to love his heart, his groundedness, and how he really genuinely lives of service in the world. I love that we get to do this. What a gift. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so humbled and oh. grateful. And yeah. Yeah. It's an honor. It's mm. an honor. Thank you. And I just, you know, as we're doing the Florida water before we start, I'm like, I've been doing this since I was 14. Like this is somewhat <laughs> like childhood for mm -hmm. me. So I love that we get to share about this work together yeah. and some of our story even. Mm -hmm. um, but just to take people back. So... 27 years ago, medicine work, shamanism was not very popular. Mm -hmm. And yet you went from a financial advisor doing very well, selling your company turned shaman. So can you just tell us a little <laughs> bit about your story and how that came to be? I was really blessed that from a early childhood, I had some experiences and just kind of put them aside. Mm -hmm. And you know, was living life, teenage years, uh, young adults, going through, having a family, mm -hmm. became very successful in this company that uh, that I was part owner of. We became very successful, had all the trappings, and about 1994, 95, um, I became just really very despondent. Yeah. I wasn't happy. Um, 
And the more I, that I was unhappy, I kept seeing, what do you have to be unhappy about? You got a beautiful family, income, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all the guilt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was on a drive to Sedona with our organizational development consultant. And he said, you know, I've, I've known you for a number of years now, and uh, you seem to be very depressed. And, mm-hmm. and, of course, anger and the rest of that that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I am. And so we chatted during this two-hour drive from Phoenix to Sedona. And he said, well, you know, my father-in-law is a medicine man. Would you be interested? And I said, I'm interested in doing anything I can to kind of break out of this. Mm-hmm. So his name is, was Don Pablo Sanchez. So I went up to meet with him. And he spoke with me. And the first time I met with him, of course, I'm in the full outfit, you know, the start shirt, the suit, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're going and, to a meeting with a shaman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like a business meeting. Yeah, Went right. in, remember, shook his hand, and he was legally blind. And he sat there in his chair, and he said, I feel the pre- I'm in the presence of a robot. Ooh. And that really hit home. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was feeling. So, yeah. Um, he and I had some consultas, you know, some time we spent together. He said, okay, I've got a date on the calendar. You're going to do a, a, a medicine journey. So this is late 1995, probably your fall. And uh, we have a date on the calendar three weeks out. Just before that date, and I had it on my calendar, before that date, he calls me up and he said, uh, I haven't heard from you, and I'm going to cancel the session. Mm. And I thought, how bad off am I when a shaman won't work with me? Yeah, <laughs> poor thing. Trust the insight, uh-huh. his insight. Yeah. So then that really put me into a deep, dark, <laughs> darker place. Mm-hmm. January of 96, there was a lot of chaos and upheaval at the firm. And I thought, you know, I really hit the, I hit the wall at that point. Mm-hmm. The... the Pablo's son-in-law, the organizational guy, calls me up and he said, maybe it's time to get Pablo gone. I thought, you know, he already turned me down once, but I'll give him a second chance. So I went up to meet with him. He goes, now you're ready. Mm. That's really beautiful that he was trusting his, himself and the integrity mm-hmm. of the timing, because I think that's really rare nowadays. People are just like, here's money, let's go. Right. And there's also a lot of just jumping into straight do medicine work before actually having more of the foundation mm-hmm. and some of the healing work before doing it. And, you know, there's could be pros and cons to that, which we can talk about, but the integrity of him holding and yeah. when it was going to serve you most yeah. to do the work is really beautiful. Exactly. So mm-hmm. he waited till I really had a meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> and then he said, okay, now you're ready. Now you're ready to surrender. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really was the issue. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go in there trying to control because everything in my life was under control, quote unquote. Yeah. So that and, was, it sounds like some of your operating system before was oh, yeah. the, out of your strategy to, out of trying to create safety for yourself was through control. Mm-hmm. And that led to a life. And I know you put yourself through college. Nobody in your family had gone through college. You really showed up to make a different life for yourself and for your family. And so that operating system got to a point where it sounds like it was totally out of alignment with you and suffering has an intelligence and it had you really turn to alternative ways Definitely. to find yourself yeah. and live I, more in alignment. Desperation. Yeah. Desperation. So mm-hmm. the 
as I as I started doing the work, then I rec- recognized what was below control. What yeah. feeds control, and that was really lack of trust. Mm. That was huge for me, not mm-hmm. trusting, and mm-hmm. that really came up during the initial ceremonies that I was involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've also I've heard you say that ceremony can accelerate things, mm-hmm. so that you have insights and wisdom that comes yeah. through. Well, there's such an innate wisdom in these plants, mm-hmm. taken in the right set and setting, mm-hmm. and being and being able to surrender to that wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's one of the rare times where you really see truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you, your filters are off and what you see it's not my ex- and again only from my experience it's not so much that I try, I'm trying to control anything but once you surrender they will show you truth without mm-hmm. directing you to do anything with it leave that up to you yeah yeah what a gift mm-hmm. yeah and for people that don't know what shamanism is can you share with us, just so we are on the same context, of mm-hmm. what is shamanism? Shamanism is the ability to recognize that there are a multiple, there's a greater universe than what our minds have constructed, mm-hmm. what we operate in each day. Mm-hmm. Some people call it being able to pierce the veil, to go to the other side. But it's really opening ourselves up to the gifts in the, in the plant world and nature the ancestors, whoever, wherever our guides come from. Mm-hmm. It's that ability to work with them to receive information mm-hmm. and to do something with that information, that guidance. Mm-hmm. The, um, so consequently, the tr- more personal work we do, the more that we can, it's an, almost, it's an alchemical process that we go through for transformation and transcendence, mm-hmm. transcend the mind and, and transform the way we see reality, mm-hmm. the way we operate in the universe. That's so, so important. Mm-hmm. Consequently, the more personal work we can do, I think Native American concept of hollow bone is really what it is. The more we can do, the more we can release of traumas, of fears, of limiting beliefs, on and on, the more we start to be able to expand our consciousness mm. to be able to accept all reality. Mm-hmm. And would you say a shaman is a guide, a helping bridge to help open a client, or how would you say the role Tra- of the shaman? Traditionally, the shaman is uh, someone born in an indigenous culture, mm-hmm. and that shaman is typically the one who is the leader of the clan or the community Mm -hmm. and is the one that takes responsibility for receiving information to keep harmony and balance within that community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so you start working with Pablo Mm -hmm. and you do a few years of doing your own personal work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, For a a year and a half, uh, at least monthly, Mm -hmm. I would do a journey with him sometimes more than that. And then he um, he was he was got to be pretty frail, mm-hmm. and uh, one day he said, "You know, I've got a client coming in, and um, I want you to take the medicine, go into his journey, and tell me what you see." And that's the love. That's the apprenticeship. Not a lot of training. No, not at all. Sw- sink or swim. Yeah, I trust yeah, that you yeah. have the intelligence and wisdom inside mm-hmm. of you to know what for, to do. Okay. Yeah. Just follow him. You okay. Know? 
So he would still do the integration, but he had, had diabetes and he had a number of physical ailments. So mm -hmm. um, that was my my initiation into into this. Uh, but you, yeah. This realm. But you were really committed to doing your work oh, so yeah. much so that within what a year and a half or so that he then invited you to hold space mm -hmm. and start apprenticing you doing mm -hmm. shamanic work. And what's interesting on my side, I was maybe around. I would know it was in middle school at that time when I felt yes. like our entire family had an awakening at the same time, and we weren't talking to each other about it. So my Jeff, uh, your oldest, is I would say like the. The one in the family that wasn't questioning all the spiritual things as much as everyone else was. I've got my other brother, you and mom, and we were all questioning reality and what we knew to be reality in different ways mm -hmm. at the same time where we all had an awakening. We started talking to each other about it. And bless Jeff, he's like the black sheep in our family and the normal one, quote unquote, in society. <laughs> and, you know, he also has his own connection, which is um, which is really beautiful. But we all started going through that at a similar time, you with shamanism, yeah. mom with like Deepak Chopra and, mm -hmm. you know, some of Wayne Dyer and that work. And then me just praying to the moon, playing guitar and just questioning everything. Mm -hmm. Scott with the Grateful Dead. We all had our own ways of doing mm -hmm. this. And then we started talking about it. And this is at the time then when you were apprenticing with Oscar. And that's when I joined the shamanic circle yes. because I was... You know, I was raised Catholic, but then once I got my first communion, you guys were like, well, whatever you feel true, whatever mm -hmm. feels true for you, follow that. And I'm like, there is a God. And <laughs> I I just started listening and finding my own autonomy through questioning everything, mm. which is still my same spiritual practice. And I loved that I got from maybe 14 to 20 to connect with you in community where a lot of it was working with a mesa, working with an altar in silence really deeply listening like there's such a foundation in the peruvian shamanism world that we did together for mm -hmm. much of my adult years 14 to 20. talk to us about the work in that period of time so you went from pablo to that period of time yeah so pablo passed over in 1998 and there was something when the two years that i uh, worked or did ceremonies with them and, and did some training, there was something missing, and mm -hmm. I didn't know what that was. So um, I studied with uh, Angelus Arian, a phenomenal, renowned yeah. teacher and cross-cultural anthropologist. What a gift to study with her for two years, and then I meet Don Oscar Miro Casada from Peru. Mm -hmm. And I met him uh, probably around 1999 at, at one of his workshops, and we had this connection. But it wasn't until 2001 that I actually he, I went to Peru with him mm -hmm. and, and part of a larger group. Was I in that group? I, no, that okay. was 2001, yeah. Okay. So we go to Peru. I had, didn't know what a mesa was. I didn't mm -hmm. really understand the culture, the uh, shamanic traditions mm -hmm. of Peru other than I'd heard about ayahuasca. So we start out on the north coast, and, and we're working with uh, San Pedro Cactus Wachuma. So we're working with that and doing ceremonies with curanderos up there. And then when we got to Cusco and to the Andes, we started working with the Keto people. One of the first ceremonies I saw was their despacho, mm. which is an earth-honoring ceremony that they do. And when I saw that, I said, 
that's what I was missing. Mm. You don't know what it is until you see it. But you and felt that it. connected. What I loved about it is that there's a sense of sacred reciprocity. It's doing something to give back mm -hmm. for all that we receive. Mm -hmm. Whether it's in spirit form, whether it's from Mother Earth, for the mountains, for the rivers, mm -hmm. all the waters. Mm -hmm. That did it for me. Mm -hmm. And consequently, from that time on, I studied with Oscar and made many pilgrimages as well to Peru to continue to train with the Caddo people, the Indian Pacos mm -hmm. and shamans of that, that region. Yeah, for many years. Yeah, for many years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that really fulfilled something that I was missing because I love the medicine work, but there was something mm -hmm. that I, they're missing in giving back. Yeah. And strengthening. When we do, working with spirits of nature, ancestral spirits or saints or whatever your guide, wherever your guides are coming from, it's important to establish some ceremonial ground for, with them mm -hmm. to give back for what you're receiving. Aini mm -hmm. um, is the word in Quechua, A-Y-N-I, which is their philosophy of life, which basically means today for you, tomorrow for me. Mm. So whatever we receive, we want to give back and strengthen that relationship. Mm -hmm. It strengthens not only the relationship, but the connection that you have to receive the information that you need in order to support yeah. and be in service. Yeah, service consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. clean. It's mm -hmm. integrous. And one of the things I loved, even with the shamanic work that we were doing together in that period of time, was it was a lot of deep listening and it was less focused on just medicine work. Whereas now yeah. I feel like at least the shamanic work that I hear of happening at these times, there's less apprenticing and there's more just jumping right in that, right. you know, the medicine work, we didn't actually do an ayahuasca ceremony until I was 20 in, Am in the Amazon together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember it was your birthday and um, I'm 20, I think. Everybody else is in their 60s. Uh, I... <laughs> My over-responsibility pattern was playing out at that time. It was your birthday, and you went deep into the medicine. You were holding the West. So this was the emotional body for, mm -hmm. the, for the group in the Peruvian shamanism world, all the different elements. The West was the emotion. And I remember you went down, and I just assumed, because I'm a Nobriga, that I needed to jump in. There goes my conditioning. I ju jumped in, and I embodied this, like, 400 pound Mexican woman that was just solid, like just, mm. and it was a really empowering experience. Although I didn't really journey until I got back yeah, to, I because I then could let go. And, you know, fast forward years later, I am in my mother-in-law, Emilio's mom's house. He was my boyfriend at the time. I'm in the, the bathtub and I look to the left and there's a porcelain doll of the same woman <laughs> that I was in that ceremony, mm. I don't know, eight to 10 years later. It was, you know, time, space, reality. But I just remember I was in that ceremony with you, went back to our room, which was in the jungle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I woke up and I was like, thanks for holding my hair because I had purged and started my journey. And you were like, I was down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> And I got to recognize a guide that has been with me since my childhood mm. trauma of middle school who has been with me from that point. And I felt like that was the completion of that guide's time in my life. Mm. And 
I really thought it was you because he had silver hair and, you know, I didn't question that somebody else would be holding my hair as I purged. Um, but, you know, there's so many, the, the veil was thin and yeah. there's so many different things that can come from medicine work that I just want to explore with you for a bit so that people can have an understanding. Maybe they've never done medicine work mm -hmm. before. Before we go into some of the details of each type and the benefits or concerns, can you share with us what you feel like has been the history of medicine work over the time? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, um, we go back to the early days of, of alchemy. I mean, the alchemists were on this back 30,000 years ago mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in Peru, which I'm pretty familiar with uh, in the North Coast. They found um, pottery and uh, images. Um, of shamans with a, with a cactus um, because that's the medicine they were using, they still use in the North Coast, Wachuma. Uh, they'd also had images of, of, of cave art and all around the world in petroglyphs of various forms of medicine and shamans with, you know, animals on their heads or shape-shifting <laughs> into mm -hmm. animals. Um, in addition to, and I don't want to leave out our star relatives, mm -hmm. um, there's always images of, you know, from millennia ago um, in these uh, art forms. So this, these medicines have been around a long time. I mm -hmm. mean, even back to the time many people feel during the religious time, during the time of Jesus, you know, turning water into wine mm -hmm. was maybe supported by some psychotropic uh -huh. energy mm -hmm. that, that somebody <laughs> took. So, um, yeah, it's been around forever. And uh, the alchemist I, I find really interesting because the process of alchemy is really a medicine journey. Yeah. You know, the, the alchemist would, they, they were magicians. So mm -hmm. in order to get people interested in what they were doing, they're, you know, well, we'll turn lead into gold. Well, the process of turning lead is removing the impurities Mm. that are in the lead to, to uh, become gold. Yet people didn't understand the spiritual alchemy that the alchemists went through mm. to shift their consciousness to be able to work with these alloys. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And that became, that is what alchemy is about. So when we do, it's about transformation mm -hmm. and transcendence. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, for me, it's the medicines or alchemy. Yeah. It's an alchemical process. Yeah. What we do, the medicine ho hopefully will show and help support clearing past traumas, limiting beliefs, on and on and on. And, and to a certain extent, if there's any sort type of ancestral mm -hmm. trauma that may get passed down through the generation, that typically comes up at some point. And yeah. there's an ability to clear that. Yeah. And I know we're going to do a podcast on that and go deep yes. into it. And I'm so glad because even when I've been looking at my past, I've not done, you know, 20 was my first real medicine journey. And I haven't done that many. I've been exposed to it for 20 years. And I, I have done medicine work when I feel the calling. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, I can see that I, because there's our collective and then there's the, there's the collective psyche, but there's the ancestral, our own lineages, and then our personal. So to be able to clear it on the different levels. But I can see that every ceremony I've ever done was pointing me back to over-responsibility. Mm. And I couldn't see it until later when mm. I got, and I think it's some of somewhat in our family thread and, and it needs to be addressed in that way. 
But the, the medicine was showing me clearly in hindsight, that pattern and how do I work with that? And so, you know, I think having a ceremony is really beautiful and important. And then the next day, having that integration, I think that's some of the most potent conversation to have a guide helps you see blind spots or look at it or think of it in a different way than you would. And for me also, the intention is to integrate what I've learned before I sit again. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think that there are some people that rely on medicine work for their innate knowing and wisdom. And I think that that's tricky. I think medicine is really to help us remove the conditionings right. so we can see, but then help access that even without it. And so having being in right relationship with it and being of service and giving back. So mm -hmm. all of that's really beautiful. And what you're speaking of, I'm just highlighting that the collective lineage and trauma or a narrative that we bought into that we can do it for ourselves, but we're also doing it for the whole. Yeah. Without, with humility, mm -hmm. you know, but whatever we're doing here has, a, has the opportunity to clear the past, the present and in the future. Mm -hmm. A lot of, and consequently, it's not uncommon, at least for me in my experience, uh, to have ancestors come in to support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Imagine having a fulfilling career doing what you love, working from anywhere in the world, setting your own hours while making good money and a big impact. If that lights you up, then I'm super excited to share with you today's sponsor, the Institute for Coaching Mastery. This is my robust, accredited, year-long certification program for newer seasoned coaches, therapists, leaders, and those just looking to up-level their life in a profound way. We have an amazing community of students from all around the world who have really started their journey to expand with us both personally and professionally. And this experience is designed to give you the three things that you need to thrive. So first, you have all of the tools and support you need to move past what's been holding you back so that you can completely change the trajectory of your life. And then you learn how to masterfully and confidently facilitate transformation with your clients or your team, regardless of your niche. If you want to do health, business, relationship, or you just have no idea yet, we hold your hand through that. And then lastly, you'll receive my six figure and beyond signature roadmap that's customizable to meet you wherever you are. So whether you want to do high ticket sales, online marketing, or you just want to hit six figures without ever needing to go on social media, we've got you covered. And this truly is the most rewarding work in the world. We have new students now who have a waitlist of dream clients in under a year. We also have seasoned students who are doing $80,000 months. And this is really about creating lasting transformation from the inside out so that you can share your gifts and serve the world in all the ways that you're called to. And I've seen firsthand the power of what happens when you have the community to collaborate with, but you also have the right tools and resources to really thrive. And so whether you want to do your own personal development, you're wanting to become a coach, or you're just looking for a cutting edge approach to really grow your business, the Institute for Coaching Mastery is for you. You are held every single step of the way. And so if you want to get behind the scenes access to the Institute with three proven transformational tools for free to help you create the business and life you love, all you have to do is go to alissanobriga.com forward slash tools, or you can find us at alissanobriga.com forward slash apply now to see all the details and apply today. Angela Zarian told uh, you to share something, that, a story that I really loved, and I'd like to offer it today, honoring her as well, that there's a there was a an African community tribe, 
And when a baby was going to be born, the elders sat in circle, Mm. and they would repeat a chant. And the chant goes like this, may this be the one who breaks the harmful family patterns. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. May this be the one who breaks the harmful family pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we oftentimes are not aware of what they may be, whether or not they reside with us or with someone in our family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that more people are interested in mental health and doing the work. And for the most part, I see that we're making progress. You know, Mm -hmm. even just a hundred years ago, how Mm -hmm. traumatized we were as a society. And I look back at, you know, we watched a traumatic movie last night, a true story. It's just like looking back at how much we've gone through and then thinking about epigenetics and how that's that's passed down from generation to generation. I think it's so important and I love that we're going to do a vulnerable, honest conversation about intergenerational trauma and how to heal. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited to have you mm-hmm. back for that. Good. But yeah, I think we do it for ourselves and we do it for our communities. Yeah. Absolutely. It's <clears throat> the image for me is when we, anything that we clear, the work that we do to help clear ourselves, whatever we might be holding. Mm-hmm has a ripple effect very similar to taking a pebble and throwing it in the middle of the lake and watching the ripples mm-hmm. because it, it impacts all of our relations. Yeah. It impacts any change we make impacts positively all our relations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And, and, and thinking <clears throat> of parents and having kids watch that sure. and, you know, it's not just what we say, it's also what we do. And then mm-hmm. our energetic, our nervous systems, like, mm-hmm. are we are we walking through life traumatized? And yeah. A lot of us are until we do the work. That's why I'm so big on this podcast. And, and I think both of us have been so fascinated with the healing arts mm-hmm. and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is the work that's going to change the world. Mm-hmm. And so I love that you're here. And I think some of this medicine work also, there's, there's benefits. What I'm hearing you is expanded consciousness. This is helping us tap into our innate wisdom. This has been happening for a very long time. And yet, you know, in the, what was it, the seventies, that kind of like Nixon had, yeah, 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 you're right. Started having this like war on drugs propaganda Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. putting fear in people because from what I've heard in some of the research is that, well, there's a few different stories about this, but one of them is that you can't control hippies that are happy and peaceful and send them to war. And so putting some fear in the system, then is then you can control people more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I do think that as a former licensed psychotherapist, I understand addiction and I understand concerns, but I don't think it needs to be a war on these things that actually a lot of this work has been healing and used in psychotherapy and before, even with Timothy Leary and some of these other psychologists in the 70s were using MDMA for couples therapy and finding good results, PTSD, like there's the right place and setting like you talk about. And so I'd love just to hear from you the perspective of the journey of of plant medicine work in your eyes, because you obviously lived that time. We are experiencing today, so the 60s were wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> there, there, I don't recall anybody ever saying, let's find a guide. We yeah. didn't know what a shaman was. You yeah. know, this is in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area mm-hmm. in the 60s. And you pretty much were free to just do whatever you wanted to do and, you know, go to concerts and, you know, Fillmore Auditorium, Winterland. And, and so there was a lot of, um, because there was no container. Yeah. 
there were, there were a lot of uh, negative experiences that people were having um, at the time. It was also a time of a lot of civil unrest because of the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. and it was all, you know, people with long hair and hippies and yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so it was under, it was President Nixon in 1970 that, that said, you know, let's, let's uh, make these drugs illegal. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what happened. Before that, certainly MDMA was, uh, was being used therapeutically for, in, with a lot of success. Mm -hmm. um, we are now today in a psychedelic renaissance, mm -hmm. it feels like, much more, uh, with much more intention, much more structure. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the people traveling to Peru, I mean, you know, ayahuasca and all these medicines now are just in the forefront. I remember. Yeah. I remember flying home from Lima in 2006 and I was at the airport and I bought a magazine and the magazine was National Geographic and the front cover was ayahuasca. Hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, here we go. Mainstream, <clears throat> yeah. So there is ways that people can receive set and setting is so important. With yeah, this. talk to us about that, the yeah. set and setting. So, but I love this renaissance that we're in too. And the more we learn about it, the more we're empowered, the less fear, the more mm -hmm. we know dosage, we know intention, we know containers and space holding, um, you know, and there's so much we're going to dive into. But yeah, talk to us about yeah. set and setting. So set and setting is so important to keep the number one, to have an altar or a mesa set up, which is an, uh, Spanish for table, but it, we call that an altar as well. It's so important to have a repository, whether it's a crystal or a feather, whatever, whatever you want to call in, to open that up for a safe space for the spirits to come in and to settle in for the evening, mm -hmm. for the ceremony. Mm -hmm. There's also a way to clean the area, you know, Copal, or you can use Palo Santo, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And basically bringing a peaceful, clean environment for these, myself and others, to have an experience. Mm -hmm. And that is where the facilitator sits and helps people at the right time get with their experience to hold space at the end in, in you know, our Western culture, everybody loves to know. We have this insatiable appetite to know. So we do integrations maybe the next morning, mm -hmm. um, which has never been my experience in Peru. Interesting. Because they get up and walk, part. you know, it's you and the medicine, you know. <laughs> You've got your own wisdom you, and knowing. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. You talk to the, talk to the plant. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, in, you know, in our culture, people want to talk. I think it's helpful. I don't want to... Yeah to disempower that process because it's helpful, particularly the next day, to maybe anchor some of the teachings. Mm -hmm. What did I learn last night that I can anchor in this reality? Now we talk about how do I incorporate these changes into my life? Yes. I tell people the journey is the easy part. Uh -huh. It's the integration after yes. that creates the yes. challenge and requires so much commitment. Yeah. And I, I know that just from research that having an immersion, having, it could be even a journey 
opens you, it starts the experience, but having that integration afterwards is some of the most important ways yeah. to create sustainable change. Community is one of them. Having that ongoing integration work, mm -hmm. I think is really important. And more and more people have guides like a coach or a therapist or somebody to support medicine woman or man to support continuing to integrate that into yeah. their lives. But I didn't really understand the power of set and setting. I was raised in it, kind of assumed all shamans got trained in this and then realized that, you know, Sometimes I think it's a disguise for just drugs. I, I don't think that people have the proper training or set in setting and then they're doing things, which is fine if it's recreational, if that's their intention. It's There's no judgment. And I know I did a ceremony at my house one time and what you call hucha, dark or funky mm -hmm. energy got stuck in my house. And the first thing you said was, was there an altar? Was there a mesa? And I said, no. And so then you had to help me clear the energy, not help me, you cleared the energy with a pendulum starting to do energy work so that it wasn't so stuck in mm -hmm. my home. Mm -hmm. And so people just realizing hygiene, you know, like the energy ecology, just understanding how to keep things clean, especially if we're the ones that are holding space. Yeah. Or, you know, and I think one of the most important things about being held in a ceremony is the facilitator the intention, the depth of work they've done, their integrity. That's partly why I want to share your wisdom with people to help educate and empower people about the different options, the different intentions with different medicine work. So for people that don't know a lot about medicine work, I'd love to go through different types of medicine, sure. <clears throat> the benefits, potential concerns or intentions of them so that, again, people are empowered and educated. Mm -hmm. So from, from my experience, having worked with the two uh, main plant medicines that I've, I've worked with, although psilocybin mushrooms is what I do, mm -hmm. um, are ayahuasca and psilocybin mushrooms. And they tend to uh, really have a strong, there's such innate wisdom in these plants mm -hmm. that will come through. That's um, They know exactly what the patient needs Mm -hmm. <laughs> they give that to you. Mm -hmm. um, they have different ways of communicating, and every journey is different. Each is unique. Mm -hmm. There's no two that are alike. So <clears throat> the medicine comes on, and with these two plants in particular, it displaces the ego mind for a period of time. So it's really you and conscious, you, your consciousness is open mm -hmm. to receive, mm -hmm. right? Again, your my experience. experience. That's right. I love that. I find that mushrooms, the psilocybin mushrooms are a little bit more gentle yeah. on the body physically. Yeah. Whereas with the ayahuasca, for a lot of people, there's um, uh, oftentimes some purgative mm -hmm. effect from it. Mm -hmm. And um, although, you know, you can... You can uh, you can throw throw up on an ayahuasca journey, and you will still have a full on experience. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. whatever that plant is bringing up that needs to be cleared, that's one way to clear it. Mm -hmm. So, but the two just generally without with, uh, with uh, mushrooms, very rare, very rare. Will I ever have anybody that's got any physical symptoms? Uh, more common when I've done ayahuasca in the jungle, I've seen much more of that. So, yeah. Yeah, but they're both amazing, incredible plant teachers. Mm -hmm. What do you see as some of the benefits? Some of the gifts. The benefits are what you receive 
because of your expansion, expanded consciousness. Mm-hmm. You know, we're open. These plants make bring you open, and that we're over time, you're able to actually commune with the spirit of the plant mm-hmm. to find out. You know, if you're being taught something and you're not quite getting it, to be able to ask questions. Mm-hmm. But it's full-on open consciousness, um, which is what we're all looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the two plants. Um, yeah. NBMA, um, I find that has been really, really good for, one, people that aren't quite ready for the full-blown experience of either ayahuasca or, or, uh, mushroom, or psilocybin mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives a bit of a displacement of the ego mind, mm-hmm. uh, but you're very, pretty much, you're very aware of your surroundings, unlike the two other plants that mm-hmm. I mentioned, which will take you into other realms, other mm-hmm. realities. Mm-hmm. These, the MDMA and the Wachuma, the San Pedro cactus, in my experience, you're very aware of what's happening, or your surroundings, yet you're much more open. Your heart is much yeah. more open. Consequently, the um, MDMA has been used quite a bit, and I've used it as well for people with very significant trauma, uh, PTSD. Yeah. yeah, it's a really a wonderful medicine for that. Yeah, or people that haven't had the experience, and I think, well, maybe this would be first step before they get to doing a uh, a, a psilocybin mushroom journey Mm -hmm. yeah it's a lot it's very heart opening and gentle and Mm -hmm. soft and i know that you work with maps right the maps institute yeah i want to give credit to multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies Mm -hmm. they're doing a fabulous job of working with the pharmacology of these medicines and the appropriate application within the appropriate set and setting yeah to bring this out of um, getting the scientists to really science-based information out there to help shift the uh, perspective of mm-hmm. our legislators. Yeah, yeah, the narrative, and then to see how does it benefit and to support healing, yeah. and when to use it, and of course, and with so much research and science behind it, then we understand. W- what are the limits with it? And mm-hmm. when does it go into a place that it's not healthy or helpful? Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like, yeah, I love that MAPS is doing this work. And and as important, Alyssa, it's about training mm-hmm. these, these uh, practitioners to yeah. be able to offer it by looking, by making sure that there is some, that set and setting are really placed in high importance, how to set that up how to take people through the experience and then working with the integration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's really a, a beautiful program that they're doing. And I would certainly ask everybody to support their efforts. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And so we have psilocybin, ayahuasca, MDMA. Is there any others that you, or San Pedro, you said San as well. San Pedro, yeah. Yeah, those are the main ones. Those that- are the, from my experience, you know, they're, uh, um, I find that they have a lot of healing potential mm-hmm. with with them, and that's not to say others don't. But yeah. my experience, those are the four. Mm-hmm. And is there a story you can share, either your own or a client that you've worked with, and the power of working with the medicines and how that's changed their lives? Any time, and I'll give you my, for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, back in 1996, 
the first experience that I had with uh, psilocybin mushrooms was one that really connected me to my ancestral lineage or mm-hmm. our ancestral lineage. Um, <clears throat> your great-great-grandmother, my great-grandmother was a healer. And, and I think uh, as a res- <clears throat> it really it was a gift for me to be raised in the family that I was raised in because of her spirituality was very much accepted Mm -hmm. and it really made it easier for me to go into this this realm as well Mm -hmm. and that first journey was um there was i felt my potentiality Mm -hmm. and part of it was through the ancestors that I, i had recognized but then there was these other there was an expansion right off the bat uh, my ability to the vision, my, my vision was en- enhanced. And so I just more and more that I did, the more expansive I became. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it takes a while, though, because of the integration and the work to integrate all that you received. That's just the hard part. Yeah. You know, as I tell people this today, you know, that four or five hours that you might spend with me, that's easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with the information? How do you mm-hmm. bring that? Modify your lifestyle. Modify your belief system. Mm-hmm. Do your ceremonies to mm-hmm. release, to release, to release. See truth and trust what you see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very rare do we ever get a chance to see truth. Yeah. And, and so I hear in some ways like going to Pablo in the beginning feeling like you were having this operating system of, you know, control and survival and, you know, then first being exposed to do the work, the, the medicine helped you connect back to yourself, yeah, back to truth. Of course. And then the rest of your life has been to live in alignment with that yeah. in 27 years later. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I, we did a ceremony together in, in the Amazon. I, we, you facilitated and I held space on one ceremony. And Mm -hmm. then at one point I was like, I want to have the experience of you holding space for me. And so we got to have that experience Mm -hmm. as well. And then I got, you know, that's when it really clicked about my over-responsibility, which also feels like collective family over-responsibility that we get to work with. Um, And I, and I love that we continue integrating and meeting our edges, even, you know, cause I, I'm imagining some people are hearing this like, wow, I would love to do this work with my parents, you know, mm. and we don't need our parents to do the work. Mm-hmm. Like we can get free to do the work. And what a gift if we're available for that, or if we do it with our kids when they're mature or ready, yeah. um, because it can be an accelerator to really drop into our hearts, mm-hmm. to remember who we are, to expand our consciousness mm-hmm. and show us there is a world beyond what we're perceiving yeah. in this moment. And I feel like that's part of the medicine that you keep reminding me of, humor, mm-hmm. and uh, not to take life too seriously, and just expanding that there's so much more happening that w- than we're aware of when we're living out of our mind. There's so many more gifts. And one of the stories that I loved is, you know, when you were hosting a few people that I love, my husband Emilio being one of them, <laughs> and he was doing a ceremony he said that there was a moment in the ceremony where he felt his, the a part, like the side of his body. He said, oh, I die from this. And without talking to you, you walk over with a rock and you put 
You were the rock on that part of his body, which my story is that energy went into the rock, you threw it in the forest, and he says, oh, I don't die from this. So natural. So, and this is all happening in the not, like not talking. This is all happening through energy. And that kind of stuff, just to give people a window peek into a potential ceremony, that kind of stuff is the norm or the, the natural. Like that's, there's a deeper way to communicate and connect. And I think in some ways that's the role of a shaman, that you are listening to what's going to serve each person in, or you're being a vessel for. Being, yeah, and I love your integrity mm-hmm. around this. And I want to give you the mic to highlight this because I think it's really important for people to hear. Thank you. Yeah. I believe that for my belief is <clears throat> the spirit world needs hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there are some of us that provide the hands for them. Mm-hmm. And, and when we're, we're facilitating, believe me, if it, if it was left up to me, it would not go so well. <laughs> um, so the work for the facilitator is to be a clear, open vessel, wait for guidance. Do not move before it's time, nor do you move after it's time. Mm -hmm. You wait for the guidance. Mm -hmm. Because one of the sacred tenets for me is I do not want to interfere with their experience. Yeah. But if I'm asked to to, uh, involve myself, Mm -hmm. uh, then then I will do that. But I will make sure that it's it's time. Mm -hmm. I've been invited. Mm -hmm. By the spirit world, too. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's um, ways to be able to influence the people, their their experience with sound. Yeah. All right. So there's, you know, the ayahuasca tradition, they're called ikaros. And uh, so there's certain songs or sounds that you might make to allow people to have, uh, to maybe, if they're really down, to kind of bring them up a Mm -hmm. little bit, or if they're too high, to kind of bring them back (laughs) down a little bit. But that... That just comes over time, but mm-hmm. as far as any type of healing that you might do in a session or at the end of a session, typically, is all guided. Mm-hmm. It's all guided. Mm-hmm. They are in charge. You know, the spirit world, who's ever this plant and who's ever on the other side of the veil, they're the ones that are operating it, these sessions. It feels clean to me mm-hmm. that that there's not the ego taking credit for the miracles and the healing that's happening. And what I really hear you saying is to be a clear channel, Mm -hmm. to do your work, to listen and to create the space that's safe Mm -hmm. and to act when guided to either bring the energy up through song, which I love when you sing that energy elevates because you can go down rabbit holes and then it just reminds with Mm -hmm. this loving song. Or if somebody's really high, which I've seen Emilio get pretty high, you know, bring it down, ground, put mm-hmm. put your feet in nature, really start to, so that there's this bridge of, you know, of, and, and listening and deep listening yeah. to hear. Yeah. So I love the integrity of that. And I think that's really important to, because to me, if people are thinking about, okay, I'd like to experience this work or or they've already done this work, but they're looking for a guide. I think the consciousness and the clarity of who's holding space is so important. Very important. Yeah. The intention, the integrity of the work they've done, and the space, the set and setting, mm-hmm. the space that they're holding. That that is all together. Yet this work really teaches all of us how to be humble mm-hmm. and 
teaches us humility mm-hmm. that it's, we're not in charge of anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Relax, nothing's under your control. <laughs> no, no, and that you know, for somebody who dealt with control issues, yeah. that was a, that was a huge awakening. And then you got to trust mm-hmm. trust that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my integration. That yeah. was the inter- a lot of the work that I was trying to integrate. Uh, and the other the part of this, and for myself and people that, that I have supported, mm-hmm. um, whatever their journey might be, is getting over the sense of separation. Yeah. That causes so much pain mm. when we feel that we are separate from nature, we're separate from the great web of life. Mm-hmm. We are an, an integral part of that, but we're only a part of it. We're a speck in that whole st- scene you know if you see the universe as a one big spider web Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know we're just one little piece of the filament Mm -hmm. and if we can recall remember that that we are part of this and we have a responsibility to do what we can to feed this matrix that we've been born into Mm -hmm. that we have all the support Mm -hmm. um that is the humility that we all need Mm -hmm. and to be humble Mm-hmm. So gratitude is one of the strongest emotions, and I just continue to try and stay in gratitude for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense to me that the control was a big part of the shadow work that led you, and sometimes the hardest things lead us to the greatest gifts. It doesn't have to be through suffering, but there is that intelligence mm-hmm. in it. And so my frame and some of my training is around the Enneagram. And so being an eight in the Enneagram, the when when a, our psyche doesn't feel safe, it tries to control the outside world. And so the work that I hear you did to really trust and surrender and let go, I mean, I've witnessed the work that you've done and the integration in yourself and i just want to honor the work that you've done and i'm excited to keep bringing you on to have deep Mm -hmm. conversations and to Mm -hmm. be a guide because you've been such a mentor and a guide for me in my life and i'm so grateful that you didn't try to control me as a kid but you really gave me guidance i mean even to the point and had my own autonomy to the point where we're driving home and i'm like telling you the directions of how to go home and i tell you the wrong directions and you still go so that i learn which really is like a is a small example of a way of parenting. Mm. And I really appreciate that. And I always, you know, I feel seen and supported and making mistakes and knowing that it's okay. And so I love the both the psychological work, both we've we've done it and we've done it together and we continue and we'll have another podcast about more of that, but also the spiritual mm. and to feel what's beyond beyond this sense of self, this deeper connection with all that is. And even as a kid, you know, being sent to my room, I shared this with you, even being sent to my room before bedtime, before it was, uh, my body was tired, I would just trip out in vastness in the void, this dark black on black, intimate velvety nothingness, like I'm in the sky with no stars. And having that reference point of peace and safety in my body and then going to silent retreats later in life, being like, oh, this feels like childhood. <laughs> you know, what a gift mm-hmm. to keep that open. And I think the more we can nurture kids, because we innately have that within us and we don't condition through fear, yeah. the, and the more, and, or having medicine work to re-remind us, to reawaken that within us. I mean, that, again, is going to change the world. Mm-hmm.
it's changing the world. It is changing speak. the world, yeah. starting with us. Yeah. yeah. And so just in closing, is there anything else that feels important that you want to share with people in, around medicine work or their own healing journey? A couple of things. Number one, there's a saying down in that I heard in Peru years and years ago. And the saying is, the medicine is for everyone, but not everyone is for the medicine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be thoughtful. Really be considerate before you undertake something like this. And um, there's so many gifts in there for mm -hmm. you once you're ready to receive. Mm -hmm. And um, it's... It's life-changing. Yeah. Um, it's life-changing. So I am honored to be a carrier <laughs> and to be asked to carry the medicine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to be your father. Mm. I love you. And to be here today. Yeah. <laughs> what a gift. Mm. It's really mm -hmm. beautiful to share you for the first time mm -hmm. with my community. And I know that they're going to want to stay connected. They're mm -hmm. going to want to hear what you're up to. Where do they find you? Oh, uh, the website is the sanctuary at Mount Shasta dot com. And we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah you've got a beautiful, what is it, like 50 acres of yeah. land. 40 acres. 40 acres with this like space. beautiful jade pyramid mm -hmm. and a, a ceremonial space and... Mm -hmm. You know, you and Valerie, your wife, both do some really beautiful yeah. work. And I think that's nice also that you do it sometimes in tandem, the masculine and feminine mm -hmm. and different gifts that we carry in support of doing this work mm -hmm. in the world. So I am so grateful that you're my dad and I'm so <laughs> grateful that you came on today. Thank you, honey. Thank you for the opportunity. I love you. Thank you so much for doing this work that changes the world, starting with yourself. It truly does make a difference. And if you're finding value in this podcast, a cost-free way to support us is by leaving an up to five-star review. It does mean the world to us. And as a thank you gift, we're going to send you one of the most powerful tools that you will ever discover. You're going to get behind-the-scenes access showing you how to live into your full potential without letting fear hold you back from stepping into your dreams. Just head over to Apple Podcast or Spotify and leave a review now. You can take a screenshot before hitting submit and then go to alissanobriga.com forward slash podcast to upload it. And make sure to have your automatic downloads turned on wherever you listen so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I have so much magic I can't wait to share with you. And you can find all this information in the show notes below. But lastly, if you're on Instagram, I love connecting and hearing from you. So come on over and say hello. I'm at alissanobriga. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share more with you.